Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast this week. In uh, holiday Thanksgiving week has thrown yet another wrench into the programming. But hey, I really like this split format thing. I think it works pretty good for football season. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, head on over to Facebook. Give us a like over there as well. Uh, as we continue to grow the YouTube channel, more traffic's heading over that way, Russ. So more and more folks are finding the channel and watching those video podcasts. Please click the link and subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel. You just don't want to miss any opportunity that you've got to get in on any of the ticket giveaways or anything else that might pop That's up right. in the future. And we, you know, sometimes we do do a Facebook exclusive giveaway or a Twitter exclusive giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might as well, you know, put yourself in a position to win whatever it is we may be giving away uh we've got a split format this is the back half of this week's content we've got a big football game to preview with georgia state coming to town for senior day for the herd and we're going to finally give you an around the herd athletic department wrap-up there's a lot of stuff that we're going to cover across those two fronts so let's get ourselves a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com and get it rolling If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Okay. Uh, Russ, I guess we've got to start out by talking about this football game we've got going on. Regular season finale, home finale. Uh, Georgia State Panthers coming to town, and it's not it's no longer a must win game. But we got in we got into a little bit of discussion online yesterday. Um, at least I did. I'm sure you caught wind of of some of the comments and things. It was just kind of like a preemptive grade to the season if Marshall wins out and ends up at nine and four. What do you grade the season? I jumped the gun a little bit and I said it was an A, and then I thought about it. I'm like, no, it's really not. So uh, it's not a must win, but as far as I think fan feelings about that, this is one you kind of got to have, right? Mm-hmm. We've lo- we've lost enough games at home. We need to close it out strong. We really need to go two and zero, get that bowl win. You know close out the season on a winning streak at the Joan. So this is a big one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into any time of type of info with Georgia state, uh, Marshall's kind of struggled in recent years with those senior day home finales. I remember a couple of uh, it's been several years ago now, but I remember just like excruciating losses to like Southern miss a couple of years back, like 28 to 27 and stuff like that. So it would be nice to, just go out in convincing fashion, you know, at, at home one time and just just really, really put the hammer down. And I think Marshall is uh, built sort of to do that against this team, and we'll talk about some of those reasons why. But what do you get the feeling about Georgia State? Well, on your point about uh, senior day and home last yeah. home game and everything, we have had a streak um, 
we didn't have the podcast during this time, but we had a streak of years where it seemed like Doc's teams two years in a row or something like they just fell off. They mm-hmm. they were doing great and then they fell off. And uh, last year we had a totally different situation where we were handing or handling WKU in that yep. first half. And then Grant Wells goes out and I mean, the wheels came off worse than anything possible could have, could have happened. Uh, we were, uh, we were doing very well in that game. You know, I, I know that, uh, the, the WKU fans see it differently. Uh, when <laughs> you, you know, Miles mi- listening, by the way, he's listening. I, I don't care. <laughs> he, he, he can, he can at me just like anybody else does, but, um, no, they they see it differently, and you had uh, Moonshine Throwdown podcast yeah. at the time, and that that was discussed. But uh, that first half, especially right up until the very one minute left or thirty seconds left in the first half. Anyway, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Needless to say, we have had some falling off at the end of seasons and everything for various reasons for at least three years in a row. Yeah. So that that makes it. Uh, even more so, but I don't want to talk about too much more because that's something that I want to specifically talk about here in a minute. Sure. So let's talk about Georgia State then. They're coming into Huntington as a four and seven ball club. They've really got nothing to play for other than personal pride in this one. They're not going to go bowling. Uh, really, what they can do, uh, they're three and four in, in Sun Belt Conference. I guess by beating Marshall, what the big accolade in this one is that it forces them into a tie in the standings with the herd. So that's about all they're playing for. Uh, this game, of course, is going down Saturday, November 26th. It's a noon kickoff. Game will be broadcast to ESPN Plus for those of us that live far, far away from town and can't make it. This will be the first all-time matchup between these two programs. Uh, Georgia State's a relatively young program in uh, college athletics or college football. First season was back in 2010, so they haven't been at it very long, but – Uh, They've got several bowl wins under their belt. Uh, Famously, you mentioned uh, Western Kentucky a few years ago. I think it might have even been the first year we moved down here to Florida. They played Western Kentucky and the Cure Bowl in Orlando, and I went, and Georgia State ended up winning that game. Uh, This, of course, will be senior day for Marshall. It's always interesting to see uh, which guys make the walk on senior day because that kind of gives you – an idea of who may or may not be returning to the herd. You know, we've, we've seen guys take the walk and then return, you know, they, they make it have a change of heart or make a different decision and decide to return for another year. But that's always an interesting thing. Uh, A win today and a James Madison loss against coastal Carolina will vault Marshall into second place all alone in the Sunbelt East division standings, which I mentioned on the recap, Georgia Southern would be a pretty impressive feat versus where we were a few weeks ago. A loss, like I mentioned, will put Marshall in a tie with Georgia State and perhaps a tie with Appalachian State in the overall record. Of course, the herd holds the tiebreaker that is meaningless. And But if App gets the win, it'll be a three-way tie with four teams at four and four in the conference. Power Index kind of likes the herd. 71% chance to win at home. Herd's currently minus six as we record Wednesday. Uh, not too long before kickoff i can't see too too much changing but boy it did last week when some news broke didn't it over yeah. over under 45 on this one what's the bird's eye view coming in russ bird's eye view is uh i think anyone would consider marshall to be a rushing team wouldn't you think that's yeah. fair yeah it's fair all right so georgia state has more rushing attempts than we have 
a lot less passes than we have. Well, I say a lot, like 40-some passes less than we have, uh, 20-some rushes more than we have. Mm -hmm. But they have 400 yards more rushing than we have on Mm -hmm. the year. So bird's eye view, uh, people may be thinking this is a a balance. They are pretty rush heavy. Uh, they they rush uh, run the ball almost twice as often as they pass, and uh, we'll get into more specifics. But uh, this is going to be a little bit different than the last several games we've had to worry about some aerial attacks and some good quarterbacks, season quarterbacks, that sort of thing. You got McCall, Chase Bryce. Uh, you know we missed out on playing Todd Santeo at JMU, but we had a stretch here of some pass heavy or very very seasoned passers and it looks like now there's going to be a big rushing attack that we really need to worry about so that's where i'm at right now yeah some of these stats i'm going to talk about are going to drive that point home particularly uh when we talk about the running right mm-hmm. uh so let's talk about some of these players of course we, i say it just about every week it starts where it always starts with the quarterback and i don't know if it starts anywhere more importantly to a team than this particular quarterback in fact it's a guy that we mentioned several episodes ago i think when we were heading into the old dominion game i mentioned the stats that darren granger put up against old dominion and that seemed to worry some of those some of our buddies the ODU monarchists about what Cam Fancher potentially brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't nearly the same stat line of these two guys in those games, but still, um, ODU lost both of those, right? So let's start. Number three quarterback Darren Granger, six foot four, one hundred ninety five pound senior. So still that upperclassman quarterback played a lot of ball. He's just not a super polished quarterback, but. He's the only quarterback to throw a pass for the Panthers this entire season, so he's incredibly durable. 154 out of 270 on the season, 2,140 yards, 17 touchdowns versus seven interceptions. He's been sacked 27 times on the season, but nine times total in the last two weeks. Also, 146 carries on the season, a team high, team high, 732 yards rushing and an additional seven touchdowns on the ground number 26 running back tucker greg five foot 10 220 pound senior 161 carries leads the team 684 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground leads the team in that category a third running back usually we feature three runner or two runners but because of the dual threat aspect of granger you have to talk about another running back. Number 23 running back, Marcus Carroll, 5'10", 205. He's a junior. 115 carries for 591 yards on the season, four touchdowns on the ground. All in all, we're going to talk about a receiver here in a second, but all in all, these Georgia State Panthers have four runners with a minimum of 440 yards on the season and at least five yards per carry. And that fourth one, I know you didn't mention him by name, but just so everyone uh, will know, he is going to be out for this game. So uh, they could have an added load to these other two running backs that you just mentioned and the quarterback. So uh, that even with him being out, uh, that could come into play because they could rush more. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, what are we looking at, 1,318, probably close to 2,000 yards between those three guys that we talked about, right? Uh, yeah, so, it's it's over, actually. Okay, so yeah, pretty damn close. One receiver we're going to feature, number two wide receiver, Jamari Thrash. I love that name, by the way. Six-foot, 180-pound junior, 
51, actually, he leads the team in all three of these categories. 51 receptions, 955 yards, and six touchdowns is actually tied for the team lead. Uh, but he's basically the big aerial threat for Georgia State. They have some other guys with some other stats, but the disparity between the number one and number two guy is pretty big. Uh, defensively, number 40, linebacker, uh, Jordan Venzale, six foot. 225-pound senior, 90 total tackles on the season, 52 of those solo, a sack and a half, three passes defended, and three fumble recoveries. Number 34, safety, Antavius Lane, 5'9", 180-pound junior, 86 tackles on the season, 62 of those solo, two interceptions, and two forced fumbles. Then there's a big drop-off in production from a tackle standpoint. Your third leading tackler goes all the way down. Number two is 86. Number three is 47 total tackles. Number one linebacker, uh, John Trey Hunter, uh, six-foot-two, 200-pound senior, 47 total tackles, 28 of those solo, two sacks, two interceptions. One of those went for a touchdown, a fumble recovery, and a, fo a forced fumble. So he's a great all-around linebacker. The, the other two guys seem to be um, – tallying all the tackles, allowing some of these other more athletic guys to make some of those more impact plays. A couple of other guys we're going to talk about, linebacker Shamar McCollum and defensive lineman Thomas Gore each lead the team with four and a half sacks apiece. And defensive back uh, Quavian White leads with four interceptions. Impact plays throughout the team. This is through 11 games now. 25 total sacks, 13 interceptions, nine forced fumbles, and 12 fumble recoveries. Um. The last two games, all right? I'm going to continue that trend. I like that trend. Uh, last two games, Georgia State 0-2. Home loss to Louisiana Monroe and a, an excruciating loss to James Madison on the road 42-40. to And we're going to talk about some of those, some of the things that happened in that game. Uh, the Herd, of course, conversely, is 2-0 with a home win at uh, to App State and a road win at Georgia Southern. Now, Stats will fly through these last two games. Georgia State, points per game, 34. They're scoring 34 points per game, allowing 36.5. Marshall scoring 24.5 20, and allowing 15.5. Yards per game, Georgia State, 396. The Herd, 435. Yards allowed on defense, Georgia State, 362.5. The Herd, 338. Third down percentage from an offensive conversion standpoint. Georgia State 43%. They are 16 out of 37 over their last two, but just 3 of 13 against James Madison last week. The herd is 47% offensive conversion rate on third down, 16 of 34, 10 of 19 last week against Georgia Southern. Third down defense. Uh, Georgia State, 46% of the time they're giving it up. 12 of 26, 9 of 14. James Madison tallied last week. The Herd just 25%, continuing to lead the nation in that category. 7 of 28. Georgia Southern was just 2 of 11. We mentioned 0 of 9 in the recap. Time of possession, it really doesn't get any closer. 29 minutes, 43 seconds for Georgia State. The Herd, 27, 26. The turnovers, Georgia State is uh, giving up one and a half a game. The Herd just one. Now, let's talk about some of these things. I'm sure you've got some things cocked and loaded before we get into keys, or they may intertwine with your keys. However they do, let's, let's have some of that discussion. I think all of mine are pretty much uh, mostly in the, uh, in the keys to victory, but I do want to highlight a couple of different minor things. Um, scoring for them, uh, this is not the last two games. This is all year long. 
They have scored 30.6 per game. They have given up 31.45 per game. So 31 and a half to 31 or 30 and a half. They have obviously with a losing record been giving up more points than, than that. But our defense is still 15.5. It's right around half. So you have to believe that their number is going, what they have been used to scoring is going to come down a little bit. And we have been scoring 23.8, but this is an even more porous defense than what we faced last week. I'm hoping that we can finally go off. Um, That's something to watch for. And we'll talk more about that when we get into the keys. The only other thing that I want to bring up is uh, the sacks Uh, we have. And I, I can't see their sack total. I wrote the wrong, I wrote their ranking down instead of their sack total. Uh, So if you have that chime in, but uh, we have given up 33, but famously, as we spoke about the last three games, we've only given up a total of two. Mm -hmm. And so trending way in the right direction. And we have talked about it ad nauseum about how the changing of the quarterbacks, the sacks went down. We have a more elusive quarterback to get out of that. Uh, just a different skill set that he brings to the table. The the sack problem seems to have gone downhill quite a bit, but they are ranked 55th in the nation on on sacks, so we just want to watch that. However, Marshall is ranked 30th or 27th in the nation, uh, getting 30 sacks. So I really hope that we can get to them and they cannot get to us. Now, obviously, that's something you can say in every game, but it's just something to watch here. Everything else that I have stat-wise, all in the keys to victory. I think a lot of these stats that you you know that I call, well, that's football 101, and I hate to be a spoiler, a lot of my keys to victory in this one are football 101 stuff because yeah. it looks like how this Georgia State team is built to succeed. If mm-hmm. you can take care of a lot of the 101s, you're probably going to beat this team. What I want to touch on really quickly, i got to provide some context context to this James Madison loss because 42 to 40 you think man they were in a dogfight well that doesn't tell the story Georgia State was in complete control of this game in the first half they had a 20 point lead going into halftime they come out and uh, at the half James Madison rips off 28 straight points and then uh, holds Georgia or Georgia State to like six or seven in the second half to eke out that victory but wait there's more Right mm-hmm. in that game, James Madison had seven fumbles. They lost four of them, and two of those four were scooping scores for the Georgia State defense. So that's how they remained in control of that game in the first half and kept it so close. So I don't want folks thinking, wow, this, this Georgia State offense went up there and just lit up this James Madison defense. No, they were gifted several possessions several possessions and i don't know what that says about james madison i I take it as a compliment that a you can turn the ball over seven times or have seven potential drive stopping turn you turn it over four right you you get three fumbles back but still and still win the game i mean it sucks that they didn't take care of the football but they still won the game in spite of that so yeah uh i don't think we'll see marshall giving up two scooping scores I don't think we'll see them fumbling the ball seven times. You know, weathering the storm of a turnover here and there, yeah, you can do that, right? But I just don't think we'll see a seven-turnover performance by the herd here. 
Yeah, some a little bit more about that game is uh, they were held scoreless in the second half up until two and a half minutes to go. Granger got a run. That was their only six points. They went for two, which would have made it 42 to 42. Uh, they did not get it, obviously. And then they tried an onside kick and JMU uh, recovered and that basically ended the game. But obviously 40 points, like you said, on paper, you think, wow, you know, they, they were an offensive juggernaut. Granger had, he was eight for 15 for 176 yards. And his one TD was a 75 yard pass to thrash. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of that came yeah. from that, uh, their leading rusher rushed for 13 times, 35 yards. So thrash he- had, Thrash had 136 of those 175, by the and, way. And I should say that's not an outlying stat. If you go back and just look at the Georgia State schedule on, you know, like ESPN or whatever, and it tells you uh, the, like, leading passer, rusher, yeah. and receiver, he's that guy just about every week. Probably yeah. seven of 11 games he was the leading receiver, and the majority of those he was over 100 yards. So he's the guy you definitely got to pay attention to. So, look, let's talk about some keys to victory here. I've got four right. again. I only uh, have three. Okay, but that's okay. Again, I try to put a fourth point that we can both kind of play uh, and have a little discussion with. So where does it start for you? What's your number one key to victory for the herd this week? We need to out Granger Granger. <laughs> so um, not to be uh, not to be with, uh, confused with out Wayne. We're yeah. not, yeah, we're, uh, we need to out Granger Granger. We need to have that dual threat quarterback uh putting up bigger stats than Granger. And it's not just that, can we win without it? Absolutely. But if we hold Granger to lower passing and lower rushing than what Fancher does, I love our chances in this game. Uh, He seems to drive this offense. Thrash can't catch if Granger doesn't throw it to him, Mm -hmm. right? So um, he's the leading rusher. So if we're holding him down i'm talking season not every game obviously but if we hold him and contain him to where he does not beat us with his wheels and he doesn't beat us with his arm i don't think that they're going to beat us their defense is not barring something ridiculous like almost happened at the james madison game their defense is not going to be able to beat us giving up 31 and a half a game something crazy would have to happen like a lot of turnovers catastrophic injuries that sort of thing uh people getting ejected i mean it, this looks like on paper maybe one of the weakest defenses that we have played not that they don't have good players on there just overall by the team uh, look for us to get a lot of yards and a lot of points it's not unfair right and it's not even really that rude to say that if your defense across the season through 11 games is giving up 30 plus points yeah you're not that damn stout 31 and a half, yeah. I mean, through the same 11 games, Marshall's allowing half of that. Under 15, 20, yeah. Yeah, 15 and a half. So it's it's not unfair. It's not rude. But I'm glad you said this brought back something that I heard uh, the other day. You said uh, barring something like ejections. Uh, I was listening to a little bit of a Georgia State podcast, and they mentioned that uh, there were some comments made 
uh, I guess they're in a Facebook group or a forum or something, and they have, were you know, talking about the game. And some fans were in there talking about how Georgia State was playing sort of dirty in that game against James Madison. And their knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, no. You know, and then those fans had the receipts. They had video clips to where it would be like a little bit of a punch thrown, I believe, like what they said at the end of a tackle. And I'm like, okay, so something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys are listening, you heard fans are listening, or you players are listening. They may try to do that sort of thing to you to coax you into an injection or a response to, you know, tilt the table uh, in their favor a little bit. And, you know, I mean, I don't I don't like too many of our guys to take that sort of bait, but it's just something to be aware of. It's not something we generally talk about. Uh, My number one key to victory, surprisingly, is we have to smother Darren Granger. Right. Like you said, Mm. if he leads the team in rushing, he's the only quarterback to have thrown a pass this season. Football 101 says stop the biggest weapon on offense, and that's the biggest weapon on offense. I don't think they've played a defense that's as, I don't know, good at every level, you know, and sideline to sideline. Some teams have a good defensive line. They're lackluster in the secondary. Marshall's none of that. They're good at all three levels, and uh, they've got guys that can track you down. We saw a little bit of a – bump in the armor there last week against Georgia Southern in the rushing defense attack, which is not really worrisome because Mm -hmm. it's, it's out of character for this Marshall team. That that's the outlier, you know, Uh, but it would be a great, great time to, you know, fix that. One thing to say about that though. And we talked about it on the recap. Yeah, they ran and all that, but what did they really do with it? Nothing. Right. Right. You know, they, they didn't, they were not able to do anything with that. They got one touchdown, boo, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, quick aside, uh, before we go on to my second uh, key to victory. So both of us had a very similar key to victory. I think 30 second discussion. What do you think would be the way that we do contain Granger uh, from a a scheme point of view? I think it depends on how they start, right? If if, if they start and it looks like, Granger is content to be more of a runner mm-hmm. because they don't want to test Abraham Gilmore and all these guys, or they do try to pass it and, and we just stifle it. Right. And so mm-hmm. they, so I think you're at that point, you're like, all right, we, we probably need a spy, right? We need somebody to follow I, yeah. Granger yep. and who better than a guy like Eli Neal, who's yeah. quick as a hiccup and, you know, can lay the lumber on you. I like my chances with that guy on my side. So that to me is what it is. If, 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 if it's a running approach they want to take, then you have to spy the guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I like our guys on the back end going man for man against just about anybody, right? Especially if they're a basic – I'm not trying to throw shade here, but if if the stats tell me they've got one legitimate play-breaking, making wide receiver, then I like my chances at covering that one guy, right? Yeah. So I, I think I gang up on the run and try to make him beat me through the air. So very, very similar to me. Uh, I do think we have a spy uh, to to do that, at least uh, throughout to see what he's going to do, like you said. Um, I also think that tight lockdown, not necessarily double coverage uh, on Thrash, but uh, either Gilmore or Abraham one is going to be tasked, maybe a rotation of those guys. Then maybe it depends on which side of the field he lines up on. Mm-hmm. It may be as simple as that. We might not have the same guy on him at all times. And hell, we might not be in man-to-man coverage at all the times in, in there, but uh, definitely neutralizing him. I don't think that 
they have the weapons. Obviously, they've got other capable guys, but if you take out Thrash, mm-hmm. you're taking out the the pass for the most part on uh, Granger. And then a spy and our already stout rush defense, uh, barring what happened last week, I think that we can shut him down fairly easily. Now, he's really good, but our defense is elite. Yep. I I would tend to agree with that. If you eliminate Thrash, you're eliminating 40 to 45% of his pass production. So uh, except for last week when it was like 85%. Yeah. And and we've seen Marshall line up against teams like that, right? Mm-hmm. Famously shut down Ollie Jennings against mm-hmm. Old Dominion, right? Mm-hmm. Four catch. If I can remember what it was, like 30 some yards or something like four, that. Four four for 37. I and think. he was the nation's number two wide receiver at the time. Yeah. So if you want to go toe-to-toe with this herd secondary, that's fine. That that if that's the bet you want to bet, then I, okay. But uh that's not the way I would go, I think. Of course, I also wouldn't want to bet on running all over our defense either. <laughs> yeah. What's your number two key to victory? Maintain the need to win. Uh, there's nothing on the line in this game. We already became bowl eligible. We cannot win the conference uh, division. We cannot play in the conference championship game. Uh, nothing does anything on paper, but there is so much more. You want the momentum going into the bowl game. You want to keep that momentum you have. You mentioned that it's a home game. You mentioned yep. that it's senior day. We have so much fan fan perspective. Lord, have we talked about on this show how the ups and downs of our team would go right through the fan base, that if you lost this game, there would be so many people just you know going – off on we need to clean house we need to we shouldn't have lost this game we need it just for those things alone this is a must win game even though it does not improve our chances in the standings or anything like that we need it we need to make a statement so we need to not say oh well nothing really to play for you've got plenty to play for in every single game obviously none of these players want to lose i'm not saying that Everyone wants to win. I don't care who you are at what level. You don't go onto that field going, I don't really care if we win or lose. Every single player wants to win this game. But we just need to maintain that team, coach, everybody just all in. Don't let up. No foot off the gas. Just go out and win this game. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And I'm going to add two things to that to just – because I agree, and I want to make these points. This is the final home game for your seniors. Yeah. Okay, so they really want to make it memorable. You know, mm-hmm. they they want to have that marquee game uh, that they can talk. Man, my final game to Joan was awesome. And I think your younger guys want to do that for those guys, you know, because they look up to them. They respect them and 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 view them as, you know, elder statesmen on this, on this team. Number two, you got to win it because, like you said, it's a home game. And I've said many times, and I firmly believe that if these losses that we have, some of these losses this season, if they come on the road and not at home, fans are happier because Mm -hmm. they just expect to come to Jones C. Edwards and win. And so many people want to continually be able to hang their hat on, you just don't come into Jones C. Edwards Stadium and win. And in more recent years, it's become less of a home field advantage, right? We've just lost games at home, and it's not something a lot of fans our age and a little bit older are used to. You know, mm-hmm. you're you you you're used to coming into the zone and watching the herd dominate and walk out with a win. 
So that part it will vocalize. They want to see that again. They want to have that again. I think we're working towards that, of course, right? Because, you know, you, winning against App State at home was big, right? If Like the place would have melted down, I feel like, if you lose that game. You'd have already lost to Coastal and you've already lost to Louisiana. You had to have that game. A 75-week rivalry game at home, you had to win. And they won. So this one is equally that. Let, let's have a dominating senior day performance to say, uh, quiet all those folks that say, you're supposed to get better as the season goes along. Well, I think we yeah. have been. I think we have been. Oh, 100%. Without the uh, the Notre Dame game, there's no question. Uh, including the Notre Dame game, I think that Notre Dame has improved a lot this year. But uh, two, I think we go up to South Bend right now, we put a more dominating uh, game together against Notre Dame than we did back in week two. That's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough statement, right? I mean, that's there's a lot of... There's a lot of chest behind that one because that was a pretty impressive performance, and it's particularly from the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly from the defense. But I think the offense definitely is a little bit smoother of a machine now than it was a month and a half ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute that. So penalizing this team for making a net a necessary change to become better is, I don't know how I can't define that. Like, what I, what, what do you say if you don't make that change? Yeah. What do you do? We say, well, we should have done this a month and a half ago. Well, we did. So we did improve. I mean, what are, you, what are we doing? What are we doing here? I, I, w- I will say I feel like it's a little bit cheating for me to say that because now we have Rasheen Ali back. But, you know, whatever. It <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, didn't even occur to me yet. I guess I would have, yeah. that would have occurred to me here in a few more points. Number two <laughs> key to victory for me is that kind of what you were saying, kind of what I said. But more particularly, I think this run defense just needs to get its groove back, you know, and I think they will. You know, they they kind of got some runs put on them last week, and I bet they didn't appreciate that too well. And they know they've got a good running team coming in here. They're at home at senior day, all that kind of stuff. This is a great time to get your groove back and, uh, you know, start getting some penetration and licks on that quarterback and – uh, try to stifle this run game for this Georgia State Panthers team. This is just a good time to do that. And moreover, I just think they need to do that because this is what Georgia State does really well. What's number three for you? Uh, we have to win not only third down, but fourth down. And let's go over the reasons why. You talked about uh, these briefly, but uh, their third down percentage. Um, oh, where am I? here we go. Their third down percentage is 40.36% that they're converting. Now, obviously, we're only giving up just over 21% of the time. But uh, 67 of 166 for 40.36%. However, on fourth down, they have gone for it 24 times. They've converted 14 times, Mm 58.33%. So... (sighs) Don't really know, like we talked about this before when I can't, I think it was App State had gone for it so many times on Mm -hmm. fourth down. They did. And I had not watched every single game, so I couldn't tell you every single reason why. If it was because they were in the red zone, if it was because they didn't have faith in their kicker, if it was because the game just dictated it at that point, I couldn't tell you what happened with this uh, Georgia State team that they went for it 24 times. And it's not like that's even a crazy number, but to me getting it 58.3% of the time, that's pretty good. They practice fourth down. Plus they have a quarterback 
that if it's on fourth and short, is he going to rush it? Is he going to give it to somebody else? Is he going to throw it? We've got a lot of different options there. I just think that we have to come out and not allow them to convert at near that time. And that just means if it's on fourth down, we're getting the ball back uh, in probably pretty decent territory. If it is uh, on third down, we're forcing them to either have to go for one of these fourth downs or that they're going to punt or they're going to try to kick a field goal. No matter what, we're not giving up points on the board in that situation. Again, I know this sounds like what you said earlier, football 101, but you can't have keys to victory that just come out of nowhere and somebody goes, you know, I never thought about that before. Yes, we should score more points than the opposition, <laughs> you know, but it's it's one of these things that we just absolutely have to do. We cannot allow them to extend drives and give them more points because that will just make this team dangerous if they can break one. Uh, give them more opportunities to break one. That's how they've been putting their points up. Long passes, long rushes. Um, we've got to keep the ball out of their hands because they score a lot. And what better way to do it is keep them off the field by making them punt it to us or turn the ball over. I think the, that that just is what good running teams do. You know, they mm -hmm. go for it on fourth down because they're generally in a situation fourth and two. You like your chances probably most of the time. I know we go for it a lot, and a lot of times we – I won't say a lot of times, but more times than – more times we get shut down on that fourth down run than we should, right? I'll put it that way. Uh, we should be able to convert a fourth and two freaking 90% of the time. And we've been struggling with that the last couple of weeks when we really needed it. Yeah. Uh, they get, now this is all season long, not one player, the entire team, 4.7 yards per rush. And mm -hmm. they rush it a lot. Again, we cannot allow them to rack up these third down conversions and fourth down conversions and everything, because that's just a, a recipe to allow them to continue driving down the field. Uh, you know, you got to stop them. Got to stop them. Yeah. It, and like I said earlier, this team is built to be defeated if you cover those football 101 things. Like mm -hmm. some teams aren't, you know, you, you could say stop the run against Georgia Southern and it doesn't usually matter because they're an air raid offense. Well, mm -hmm. it mattered last. It, we didn't stop the run last week. We won. It didn't matter. But I'm saying, who cares if you stop the run against an air raid team? It doesn't, doesn't matter. My number three key to victory, again, football 101. I think you've got to win the turnover battle in this one because they obviously can take them to the house. They've got at least one touchdown off of an interception they got two scooping scores last week against james madison so you can't give them extra opportunities now again i like the fact that james madison gifted them four extra possessions at least on five i don't even know if centeo threw interceptions he might have i couldn't get past the fumbles category uh four fumble four lost fumbles and you still lost the game i mean that that makes me feel pretty good but i still don't want to see marshall do that you know uh it just feels like you know, I still feel like we're good for one a game, and if something bad happens, maybe two a game. So I still try to curb my enthusiasm to the point to where I feel like we might turn the ball over twice. So I look at it and I go, okay, can we offset two turnovers with either two of our own or weathering the storm with our defense to just force a punt and get the ball back? And by and large, I think, yes, we can do that. And I, this is one of those teams where I think we can do that. But I still would like to like us to either hold serve or win the turnover battle. 
you don't have a fourth. Did you do a third? You did a third, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have a fourth. So we just get to talk about mine together. My fourth is what I'm calling spread the wealth. Because for the first time, what? Did you do your third just yeah, now? When the okay. turnover All right. I just making sure that was your third. And not... No, no. My fourth is what I'm calling spread the wealth. Because for the first time this season, we get to talk about knowingly having a Cam Fancher, Rasheen Ali, Kalen Laburn backfield. Okay. And uh, I noticed in the James Madison game that that's kind of what Georgia State does. They had all three of those major runners that we pre uh, profiled. Each one had like 14, 13, and 11 carries. Nobody had 25, 6, and 1, you know. So that's kind of what we need to do. We've got three guys now that can just break the game on you. There's no reason to make anybody like overloaded. Nobody really needs to get tired because you can always have a fresh set of all-American legs blazing down the field at any given time. And I feel like that is a huge luxury that we've only had once this season. And I sure would like to see it come out in a big way at home against this Georgia State team. So what do you feel about that one? Well, a I'm little, for it. <laughs> a, a little bit of a preview, uh, spoiler, <laughs> I look for Rasheen Ali to have a massive game. Ah. I, I do think that they are going to uh, spread it around uh, because I – but they just cannot key on one singular player – um, and if, especially if we have, and I think that we saw a couple of times we had both running backs in the backfield, uh, in, in the last game, uh, it just wasn't near what the potential could be with Fancher back there and laboring on one side, Ali on the other, uh, in the pistol, especially, uh, but I, uh, I look for Ali to just absolutely go off and, uh, let everyone remember his name and why he has that name. Mm. That's uh, so yeah, we're going to spread it around, but with the opportunities that we have, I think Ali really hammers it. And uh, that's just going to make it, uh, make it a little bit easier for the other guys when it's their turn as well. Yeah. I, I tell you what, what's intriguing to me and for most folks, most folks might say, man, you're an idiot. But think about that fourth and two where we talk about having trouble. And that's when you line up uh, all three of those guys in a pistol formation. If you're a defense player, who the hell do you key on? Because you can't plug every hole. Something's going to be open, right? And you just have to guess right in order to stop that one because, geez, with those three guys back there and all the elusiveness, speed, power, and agility that they bring out of that backfield, covering the wrong hole, you know, blocking the wrong running lane, that's a fourth and two to the house, you know? So that, that becomes really intriguing. Who is your Thundercast player of the week this week? Uh, spoiler alert. It was Ali. <laughs> uh, I look for him. Like I said, uh, maybe it's only because he scores the most touchdowns. He didn't get in the end zone last week. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the last game of the season. Uh, I feel like that game was a, let's get some of the game time rust off. Sure. Not that, not that there was a bunch of it, but he didn't have like a 20 yard run here. And you know, the things that he's capable of, uh, I don't think we threw to him out of the backfield. I, don't I, think so threw, I think we threw to labor, but that was a big part of his game last year. So, um, I just look for him to have a lot more confidence uh, in in the knee, and uh, he's got an extra week of practice underneath him. 
uh, for this week. And uh, I just look for him to come in on a mission and really put up whether it's that he gets his customary two to three touchdowns or that he comes in and puts up a buck 50 or something like that. But I look for him to come in, even sharing the ball, look for him to come in and make a statement. Yeah, I'm sure he would like to finish the regular season with at least one touchdown in that column. Uh, would probably like to notch himself a 100-yard game. And just as a house-cleaning effort while you were talking there, I did look it up and we threw to – Rasheen had one reception last week for five yards, just just for – Okay. Just to keep it uh, legit. I That's love the, the only mistake I'll ever make on this show. I love the pick of Rasheen Ali. I really do. I think uh, Kalen Laban, for all that he has done and as great as he has been – uh, if it's not about personal accolades for him, if he's just not like, no, man, I really want to finish in the top three or four in rushing, then he's earned a, a lighter load because he's yeah. just carried this team uh, from a workload standpoint all freaking year long, man. And the dude just earned, has deserved to have a lighter load here at the right at the end. Um, I'm not saying he needs it or wants it. I'm just saying he's earned it and deserves it, you know, if these uh, scenarios present himself, I love it. I love the pick, but I think I'm going to go uh, on a guy we profiled earlier and a guy that I haven't picked all year. I think Eli Neal is going to have to be my Thundercast player of the week for what we talked about earlier, how they, how he may be utilized to uh, defend uh, Granger. So He's fresh off of a great effort last week against Kyle Vantries where he got himself an interception, 11 total tackles last week. We might see him push up higher to, of that total this week. We, we may be talking about a 15-tackle performance based on what his responsibility is in this game, you know, and if he can get one or two in the impact categories as well, maybe a sack or, uh, you know, a forced fumble or something like that, you could be looking at the potential, potential for a Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week type game based on what he may be responsible for. So give me Eli Neal. Uh, you got a score prediction for this one, I suppose. I do. Uh, I keep going back and forth on it, man, but I'm thinking 36-14. And a lot of people are going to say, what? Uh, we've scored above 28 one time this year, if I mm -hmm. remember correctly. Uh yeah, was it 28 that we scored against Bowling Green? Or 31? Uh, I think 31. We had 20 it was 28-28 uh in the in the fourth quarter. So fourth quarter, four quarter games, we've scored 28 points, except for the Norfolk State game where we went off uh or uh against a, an FCS opponent. But I don't see this being the the offense that we have had all year long. We have Ali back. Laburn is Laburn. We have a much improved Fancher. So give me us scoring a lot of points. Give me us shutting down Georgia State 36 14. Uh, I like that. I like that. I like the uh, confidence of an offensive showing here in the finale at home. I like the herd to finally get over 30 points for the first time in a long time, eight weeks or something like that, but not as much as you do. And yeah, the trend of touchdowns being pulled off the board due to penalty always scares me. So give me the herd 31 to 17 in this one. Uh, I do think we'll have plenty of successes against this Georgia state offense, but still, you know, the herd seems to be good for right around their average 
point total every week. So 17, that's slightly above, but could just as easily be 14, could easily be 10. You know, I'm just going to err on the side of caution and and go with 31 to 17. Uh, some things that we, I guess we have to, we don't make note of, we, we should mention maybe. Um, you know, we'll have to see if we have our full complement of wide receivers. We saw Gamage exit early last week. Um, we don't know any, I haven't seen anything out about if he'll be playing or not. So hopefully uh, he'll be back because that's a huge weapon in the game to, you know, not have lined up, even though we have seen an emergence of guys like EJ Horton, who I've been mm-hmm. talking about for weeks as potentially ready to bust out. And we've seen it in a bigger and bigger way. Shadid Ahmed had a big bounce, uh, bounce back breakout week last week. So that was nice to see. Jaden Harrison's been making plays over the last couple of weeks. A lot of these guys picking up slacks now that uh, Talit Keaton is injured. We'll see what damage looks like. So this wide receiver room may be a little bit of a shakeup going into this one, but hey, I still like our chances. Uh, we saw a shakeup on the offensive line last week. Uh, uh, Trent Holler went out early and just was in street clothes on the sidelines. But uh, according to all that we know, everything should be a go and, and the line should be back to the the uh, familiar five that you're used to seeing out there. Yeah, X, X-rays, we do know about that. We've been per- given permission to talk. We usually do not disclose anything. We have permission to say that there was X-rays negative little dinged up or whatever, but uh, should be 100% a go unless there was some kind of setback that I just don't imagine there being. Uh, Offensive linemen are tough, man, and it's hard to get them out of a game. And uh, if nothing's broken and nothing's torn, and sometimes even if something is torn, they're still playing. Uh, But expect Holler to be a go. Yeah, that's and that's a big deal, right? Because we're seeing – Big time successes from the offensive line yep. since Cam has continued to evolve. And the last thing we want to do right now is cause a shakeup on that unit that uh, you know may may cause those sack numbers to shoot back up or something like that. So it's nice to know that Trent's a okay and should be suited up and ready to dominate once again. Other than that, um, if you got anything, any other final words, let's hear them. Otherwise, let's take this bad boy around the herd. Let's go around the herd, and we're going to start off with men's soccer. Uh, this hasn't been out quite a bit uh it, it's leaked out on twitter but nothing official i guess yeah. is what you would say uh which was a little surprising but uh luke creasy is where i saw this first and he had gotten it from the player himself mm-hmm. instagram page so uh coastal carolina's alvaro garcia pasquale is transferring to marshall that's a big deal because if i remember correctly uh we had exactly one player that was not from Kentucky or Marshall on the first team, all Sunbelt conference. And it was Garcia Pasquale. So the rich get richer. And by the way, why don't we take your best player and bring him <laughs> over here? You know, it's not, not like he came from, you know, Oklahoma or Indiana yeah. or, you know, we took him from the conference. So uh, I think that just goes to show, you know, that everyone loves what they're seeing that this coach and program is doing uh and you know let's bring over a really good player because why not yeah i don't know if this is permeated through the coastal carolina fan base yet because you're right there's really nothing out there about it uh even you know we retweeted it and it really got no traction which is yeah. wild uh, you're talking about a first team all sunbelt Con- sunbelt conference player 
switching jerseys and just coming over to play in Huntington. Unless he's doing a massive troll job or something. Well, that's what... <laughs> sir, kudos to you because you've got us all hooked right now. Yeah. Uh, but this guy, if if you don't know, I mean, probably more and more folks are starting to follow soccer more and more closely. And I keep famously telling you, I have no idea what I'm watching, but I like watching it. Uh, Pasquale led the team, led Coastal Carolina in points, 21 points, 10 goals, one assist on the season. So you're getting firepower that's coming to Huntington. It's not yeah. just a guy that is a role player. This is a scorer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. think about the you know, the, the departure of Milo Yosef and mm-hmm. how this teams up with young phenom, Matthew Bell. And mm-hmm. you start thinking, wow, the horde, the herd might just be dangerous scores. Again, the trend will continue. And I don't, I don't really relate to what it's like to hear the saying, the rich get richer, but now I do. And yeah. I kind of, I kind of like the feeling. So that's big news. That's a great way to start around the herd. Yeah, and let's keep it there with the men's soccer team. Do not forget, folks, uh, Sunday at 6.30 p.m., we are in the Sweet 16 at Bloomington playing Indiana. Rematch from uh, the 2020, uh, actually played in May of 2021 because of COVID, but the 2020 National Championship game uh, where we beat Indiana on uh, Jamel Roberts's uh, golden goal, which will be the last one ever until they change uh, – rules you mm-hmm. know so let's all get on espn plus support the team uh, i think that there's probably going to be quite a few people traveling up for that to, to go watch so uh listen for that uh marshall faithful uh screaming out let's go herd let's go herd and uh also some we are marshall chance let's go take it to the elite eight baby mm-hmm. uh softball schedule is out Big uh, news is that Alabama is coming to the dot. That was not nothing that was broken. We had talked about that uh, before, and it was all over social media uh, toward the end of last season, if not over the off season. They'll also have a couple of March uh, mini tournaments at the dot that will be fun to go to. March third through the fifth is the first one, and then later in March they've got another one. Uh, so we talk a lot about how exciting this Marshall uh, softball team is, but bringing in Alabama and Montana Fouts, who is kind of local, you know, being able to come here and everything, it is going to be a pretty great atmosphere. Make sure you go over for that game. Go to all of them, but make sure you go to that one. Yeah, I, I, the whole schedule, of course, is on Herd Zone. Please download the Herd Zone app so you can have all of this at your fingertips. Uh, there will be a lot of great matchups that will be taking place at the dot. One away game that uh, or away series that I guess you have to put your uh, take your pen and circle is going to be the uh, April sixth through the eighth uh, series against Louisiana Monroe because you know Corey get used to be the coach down there at ULM, so I'm sure that's one that he'll uh, have a little bit of added motivation to go in and get a dub. So. Uh, check out the schedule, make it to as many of these games as you can. They're non-ticketed, right? They're free. Like show mm-hmm. up. Uh, the dots really fun venue. Hell though. They got a parking lot. You can tailgate if you want to, you know, they won't, they won't get mad at you. In fact, it probably enhance your experience. And uh, I think that we might even have a couple of Thundercast live events there for softball. We've been talking that over and uh, that's on our to-do list and we hope to, 
obviously you got some time to plan that out and finalize it, but we're, uh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. This, these Olympic sports and some of the things we're really trying to, you know, get some, get some shine onto them with our Thundercast lives and with our coverage, because uh, they're just fun. A lot of those teams, the players, they really appreciate that stuff. You know, they yeah. realize, they realize they go to Marshall. They realize that the fan base is heavily invested in football, men's basketball and men's soccer now, but you can be equally as invested in these other programs at literally no cost to you, like a little bit of time. Get your butt out there and watch the game. Have a little bit of fun. But anyway, um, going to be a great slate for uh, for the herd at home at the dot. So can't wait. All right. So we have uh, uh, swimming and diving up next, and they finished sixth overall as a team uh, in the Purdue invite. Had a couple of players. Uh, no one – one in their uh, uh, individual uh, or team relay things that they did, uh, none of the events. But uh, just want to highlight Esther Laban or Laban. Uh, really need, if anyone's listening out there, we really need those ears back on uh, <laughs> on herdzone.com where everyone's telling uh, how to say their names. But uh, she got, uh, she is now, this is for the school, third all-time in the 1,650 meter. Uh, and she placed fifth overall at the Purdue invite. And uh, Jenna Bopp said, uh, had a great last day. And she is now second all-time in the 200 meter breaststroke. So, really good deal we know that the meet that they had before was a lot better results and everything um this one i believe had a lot more uh competitors in it more teams and that sort of thing so um i don't know anytime you're talking about second in team or school history third in school history it's worth noting and and cheering on so i i would like to see you know us uh grow from this and have you know well now they're same as we're talking in cross country and track and field and stuff they were second then they're beating their time now they're up to first that sort of thing so let's go get some uh records set here at marshall and swim and dive yeah no doubt i mean they used to be a really really strong program back in the southern conference days um i, I had as a as a teacher uh, dr bob saunders who was the swim and dive coach for ever you know and um he used to sing the praises of that program for a long long time so i know they were really competitive and really really good not just competitive they were really good and we're seeing that right cross country is is set, reaching new heights so yeah. maybe we can reach some of those heights uh of southern conference seasons past right now in the sunbelt era with uh herd swim and dive well it'll Speaking be the sunbelt era next year i guess and this is not a, a thing for uh, around the herd uh, cross country, but I saw the coach, you know, we have highlighted how he is a, a really good runner mm -hmm. in long distance and everything. I saw him yesterday morning running, you know, the park trail by my house and uh, later on in the afternoon, which was probably a good six hours later, I saw him running in the park trail by the house. <laughs> I don't know now that we know that he does these like ultra marathons and stuff. It might've been the same run. You he, know? Never, he may have never quit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it may have been two separate. I don't know. Uh, both are equally impressive to a guy like me who does not run, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he could have been running for yeah. over six hours. Jeez. 
All right, let's finish it up with uh, men's and women's basketball. We'll do them individually, but men's basketball had two victories on uh, since we did our last around the herd. They beat Coppin State on Saturday, 86 to 67. And then after struggling uh, in a back and forth against Chicago State, they pulled away uh, 82 to 70, and that was on Monday. Uh, they host Moorhead State on Saturday at 7 p.m. So after the football game, you mentioned it on uh, the show a couple of days ago, really good opportunity for uh, everybody to go out, pack up their tailgates, grab dinner at a local restaurant, make your way over to the cam, watch a, you know, pack the cam out and watch a really good basketball game. Moorhead State is always one of these back and forth close games and everything. So, uh, nothing would make me happier than to blow them out by 15, 20, something like that. Um, but should be a good game. And we owe those guys at least a couple. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, let me talk about just some quick stats. I, th- I don't remember if we talked about them at all. Did we talk about any of it? The Coppin state game on the, on the recap? No, uh, the, uh, we did not. As far as I'm aware, we we left that off because that was going to be an around the herd deal. Okay. So all I wanted to say is that, um, by the way, I heard a sound clip of, I think it was Jake, Jake Griffin, uh, talking about how we have all around Herd Nation, Herd Universe here, been mispronouncing Obena's name his entire time here at Marshall. He says his name is pronounced Obena. So Uh, we shall fix that, Mr. And a chili killing, Obina. Uh, so uh, against Coppin State, uh, Obina gets a double double, fifteen points mm-hmm. and eleven rebounds. Andy Taylor goes for fourteen points, and Tavion Kenzie twenty three points, eight and eight in rebounds and assists. And uh, against Chicago State, man, what a great showing by a number of our guys. Uh, Obina again. Uh, 13.7 rebounds. Micah Hanlogden gets himself his first career, her double-double, 12 yeah. points, 13 rebounds. Andy Taylor, 24 points. And uh, Tavion Kenzie, 22 points. Man, oh, man, they're scoring. And, you know, for all the folks that were cheesed off that Marshall lost a heartbreaker in their opener, opener they haven't lost another one yet. So 4-1 and one on the season and kind of cruising. Yeah, and uh, we had just talked in the recap of the first four games – uh, when I was saying it was, or maybe it's first three, whatever it was, uh, about Obina, I've been calling him Obina and that's because that's what they had been saying yeah. on, on the broadcast. Had for... I not heard that soundbite from Jake, I would have well, never known. Yeah. I thought, why is he all of a sudden mispronouncing, you know, uh, and when he, I was he asked it. him, he said, why didn't you say anything? He said, I just, I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. What? It's your <laughs> name, dude. You're supposed to say, yeah, that ain't right. You know, yeah. Just... Mi- mi- mispronounce mine. I, I let everybody know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I had been saying I wanted him to get involved in the offense and everything. It seemed like he had been lost a little bit and he, he has come back like gangbusters and he's all over the boards. He's a presence down low. I watched both of those games. Uh, the, uh, the game on Saturday I had on my phone as I watched, uh, on the big screen, the football game. Um, and it was, uh, it was seemingly to me, it was, a he was on a mission to get himself involved in there. So I don't know if he took it personally on himself or if the coaches were encouraging him to be more aggressive or whatever, but he was definitely more involved 
He was banging on the boards. Han Logton, man, I, I've said it again, uh, or I will say it again. He is already, whether he scores zero points or if he scores 12 points, he is a factor in this game. And he he's he's on the floor. He's chasing down loose balls. It's everything you want to see out of a freshman. So other thing that we have to say about men's basketball is uh, Tavion Kinsey was the Sunbelt player of the week, scored just under 22 a game and uh, shot 60% from the floor during that time. Uh, He is our team leader uh, as much as Andy Taylor is also a team leader, but Tavion, you know, just seems to be that face of the program and, Early in the season, he's already bringing it home for the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, women's basketball, we had talked about there on a little MTE mini team event down in Savannah, Georgia. They played uh, Monday and they won against UT Martin, 70 to 57. A low scoring affair the next day, they beat Purdue Fort Wayne, 45 to 39. Really, really gritty, grind that out victory. And today, uh, later tonight, they play Norfolk State to end that mini-team event. That'll be at 7 p.m. on ESPN+. And don't forget, while you're in for the weekend, they host Duquesne on Sunday at 1 p.m. Let me go we, back real fast. and let, I was just, well, just going to say, we have tickets. That's okay, all I was yes. We do have tickets. Uh, let me go back. You, you mentioned the uh, uh, Tennessee Martin game was a fairly mm-hmm. low-scoring affair. The bulk. Oh, what were you talking about? No, the Purdue. One? The Purdue oh, Fort Wayne okay. was low scoring. Okay, seventy to fifty-seven. The bulk of Marshall's points came uh, from the hands of three ladies: uh, Mahogany Matthews, sixteen points; Abby Beeman, sixteen points; Rashala Scott, another nineteen points against UT Martin. Just lighten it up from the field. They shot fifty, uh, almost fifty percent from the field in that game against UT Martin, forty-eight, just to take over forty-eight percent. I mean, dang. Uh, it was a spread the wealth kind of game. It looks right a little bit more so against um, Purdue Fort Wayne. Abby Beeman again with 12 points. Rashala Scott with 14 points, and then it was just kind of you know six here, seven there, two or three here and there. But uh, what a pickup! This Abby Beeman chick, mm-hmm. <laughs> this ball player has been for this herd ladies basketball team. We knew coming in, what was she like a, a D two All American? Is that what it was? Division two? Yep. All-American. We knew that was she was going to play a, an integral role for the herd. And boy, were we right about that one. Tony Kemper got, got himself a diamond along with some of these other players. I mean, man, we were worried. We had been concerned with so much turnover. How was it going to look? I don't know if concerned is the right. Maybe we were more intrigued. How is this all going to work? How is this all going to look? And man, early in the season, it looks pretty darn good. Toe-to-toe with the Big Ten team all the way up until the end when the Boilermakers went on a little bit of a run. And much like the men, after the opener, haven't lost a game. So congratulations to Tony Kemper and his staff, all those players on that roster. They're doing a hell of a job here in the early going of the season. Couldn't be happier for them. Big turnover on the staff, like we talked about. Uh, Big turnover, obviously, on uh, using the transfer portal for the the squad. So, big ups to them all around. Get over there and watch them on Sunday. Again, we have tickets. We have tickets to the men on Saturday. We'll be giving those away. Uh, But go over and watch women's basketball. I've been been able to watch them on TV. I haven't been able to go. I'm going to 
try to sneak over there on Sunday, see if I can't go over and watch. But uh, they deserve us to be jamming the cam just as much as the men. Let's get over there, give them a, a good homecoming for after this three-game road trip down in Savannah on Thanksgiving week. You know, yeah. so let's give them a good uh, welcome home uh, with a big crowd on Sunday. Yeah, and like you said, we give tickets away to every home game, and it's really easy to win. Basically, all you got to do is like the contest tweet, and so few people do that that you have an excellent opportunity to win tickets. All we ask is that if you like the tweet, make sure you can go to the game. That's yeah. all we want. We just want to for people to go. If you enter the contest, don't just win. Just try to win. Win to go. And if you can't go, don't enter because we want people to go. Anyway, you got anything else, Russ? Let's have it. Otherwise, take us out of here. Well, we will be giving away our uh, usual four tickets uh, for the Georgia State football game, but we have already uh, put up on our Twitter page and our Facebook page that we have a singular ticket from one of our loyal followers. Uh, He gave us that at the last home football game, said, hey, I won't be able to make it in. I'd like for this to go to, to use. I put it up with uh, just asking for something a little bit different since it's a physical copy and you'll be bringing it by the tailgate. I asked for people to put uh, their favorite thing that we've done so far in uh, our first less than eight months. And that's not to try to get uh, any kind of uh, pats on the back or anything. It just gives us a little bit of feedback of something that we can do. If you're enjoying that, that maybe we can do more of. So that's where I'm at right now just kind of put that on there again. We don't need pats on the back. We just want to to know what you enjoy that we've done so we can bring more content like that. You know, yeah. if it's if it's that we give away tickets and that's your thing, comment about it. <laughs> it's fine it, with me. <laughs> yeah. Whatever whatever you want to say is fine. We're not going to cherry pick and say, well, this guy gave us a good compliment. He gets the tickets. It's not about that. So if you're looking for a single ticket for the game, uh, please get on there and comment so this ticket does not go to waste. That's right. Uh, you just have to pick it up at the tailgate, which is a great reason to enter because you get to come by the Thundercast tailgate and have a good time with Russ. So, Russ, Thanks, if that's it. Thank, Thanksgiving sandwiches, by the oh, way. Oh, M- Mimosas, screwdrivers, plenty of beer. Look here. Cooper has busted in, so everybody <laughs> that uh, is going to watch the video podcast, you're going to see my son for the last couple of minutes while Russ takes us out of here because I'm not editing this. Go, let's have it. All right, so whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the dock, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us throwing down some Thanksgiving sandwiches at Thundercast Live, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd, it's the Thundercast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Have a safe and healthy weekend. Go Herd. We're out of here.